Hello, and welcome to Loaf, a movie podcast. My name is Raul Duca. And I'm Jason Mallett, and today we're going to be talking about a movie from 2018 called Searching, starring John Cho and directed by Anish Chiganti. So, in Searching, we have three main characters that it really starts off with. First is David, played by John Cho, who's the dad. We have Mom Pamela and Margot. Margot is Mar- the name? I think Margot. Yeah, it's spelled Margot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, Margot, who's their daughter. And the opening scenes of the movie is them kind of starting up this computer and taking a picture on a uh, picture on it when they were young. And then we see a series of montage of videos and pictures of Margot growing up. We find out that Pamela, the mom, ends up having lymphoma and and she she goes into remission. But then she relapses and eventually passes away. Yeah, before we get any further, an important thing to know about this movie is that it's really unique in the sense that it's shown and like filmed entirely through screens so when you're watching the movie you're like watching it from the perspective of somebody's like laptop screen or phone screen or something like that which when i first heard about i was not super intrigued by but ends up working pretty well but something you should know going into it yeah and so after the opening montage and pamela having passed away we're two years into the present time and Margot is 16 the movie starts off with their dad facetiming her and He's kind of complaining that she didn't take out the trash and ask where she's at. Margot tells him that she's at a study group at a girl's house that the dad hasn't met yet. And the study group's going to go late into the night, way past 9 p.m., which is her normal curfew time. And it might be an all-nighter. So David ends up uh, getting a FaceTime from Peter Kim, his brother, asking him about a recipe that his wife used to make. David asked Peter about his marijuana use. And David ends up seeing a video of his wife cooking the kimchi gumbo that Peter had wanted. And he gets pretty bummed out and ends up kind of like removing that video from. Sounds like a a fire recipe. I'd like to try that. Yeah, apparently like that's not a thing that until after this movie came out, like kimchi gumbo was. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Immediate impact from this movie. (laughs) Yeah, and so during the night, Margot ends up calling David multiple times, FaceTiming him, but he doesn't pick up because he's asleep. And so he tries to call her back in the morning, but she doesn't pick up. And he leaves a voicemail asking when she got home and other things like that. And he sees that he ha- she hasn't taken out the trash, so he sends her another picture of it. At this point, you can tell that David's kind of worried, but it's, you know, he. I think he just assumes that it's, you know, teenagers being teenagers, basically. So it kind of goes on about his day. Yeah. And he didn't get a reply in the morning. And so he kind of sent her a bunch of multiple texts throughout the day to see if she was upset with him. And he ends up looking at a picture of the trash that he had sent. And he sees that she had left her laptop at home on the counter. And so, so he calls her to figure out why she didn't pick it up and take it with her for school. He leaves a voicemail asking where she's at since it's an hour after school and he realizes that she's at her piano classes. So he calls the teacher to talk to his daughter but finds out that Margot had actually canceled classes six months ago. He searches through his phone and sees that he had left money for the classes on a regular interval and Margot kept taking that money. So he realizes that his daughter lied to him about the lessons. And then he calls her school and finds out that she didn't go to class that day. So he tries to talk to Peter and wonders if he should call the cops. Peter tells him that maybe she's just being 
a teenager and just kind of playing hooky and going off somewhere like he did when he was young. And David doesn't realize he, d- he doesn't know any of her friends, so he has to get clues from her social media. Her Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook are all private, and so Peter asks if David doesn't know who her friends are, who would? And at this point, David decides to log into Pam's user account uh, because she had the contact info for all the middle school parents and family when Margo was in middle school. David ends up calling uh, this character named Isaac's family, who was Margo's childhood best friend. And Isaac's mom tells David that Isaac is camping in the mountains with his friend and Margo was invited. The mom says she's pretty positive Margo went and they're coming back tomorrow. The next morning, David gets a call from Isaac who tells him that Margot never came on the trip and she never responded to his text on Friday after school. David calls the police to report a missing persons report. And so this has been the second day that Margot has been missing. David gets a call from Rosemary Vick, the detective assigned to his case. She tells him they'll do the groundwork and he, if he can provide her with any information about who Margot talked to. So David looks at Margot's laptop and is able to access her social media accounts by resetting her password. David makes a spreadsheet of Margot's friends' faces, names, and calls or messages them to find out the last time that they saw her. He also asks if they know about the study group that happened on Thursday night and what they were doing on Thursday night. At this point, you can kind of see that he's starting to get more and more paranoid and slowly realizing that, hey, like, something's probably really wrong. And kind of throughout the whole first 20, 30 minutes of of this movie, that kind of starts building up. It makes sort of like an intense atmosphere. So from the detective, we learn that there's no one matching Margaret's descriptions at any of the hospitals or jails. David talks to Isaac again and finds out that he and Margot aren't really friends, and she was only invited because of his mom. And David learns that Margot didn't really have any friends and usually eats lunch by herself. David's brother Peter asks to help him and suggests looking at her friends that he might not be able to find online. David looks through her Word documents for AP Bio and finds another student, and he calls her. She tells him that she hosted the study group on Thursday, but it only went until 9, and Margot definitely left by then. The girl tells him that she wasn't really close to Margot and invited her only because she was trying to get into a good school. The detective Rosemary Vick finds a video of Margot driving from traffic cams and shows it to David. It shows Margot heading out of town. David looks at Margot's bank account and sees that she was depositing $100 regularly into her checking account, which added up to over $2,000. He sees that Margot had spent $2,500 six days ago over Venmo and the account that she had sent it to was deactivated. He looks to her Instagram and sees that someone named Derek had commented on all of her photos and he tries to look up his number. He's eventually able to contact this guy and let's be all let's be honest, like this dude is a total douche. Mm, fuck and, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag fuck Derek. Eventually he gets in contact with Derek and Derek tells him that he was actually at a Bieber concert that night.
The detectives call David and ask him if he knows anyone by the name Rachel June, and he says he doesn't. The detectives then sends him a picture of Rachel's license, and it turns out to be Margot. The detective tells him that Margot had the fake ID made around the same time she withdrew all of the money from the Venmo account. And Rosemary, the detective, says that she's seen this before in narcotic cases where people are trying to launder their money. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you kind of, as the audience, start thinking of her less as a victim and more of, you kind of get suspicious of Margot. You're also, at this time, considering the possibility that Margot ran away instead mm-hmm. of something happening to her. David looks through Margot's internet history and finds her most visited sites. One of them in particular is called Ucast. Like, I think the best way to describe it would be something like Vine or TikTok. Um, yeah, you just post videos, basically. Well, it's like actually, you it's live, like live stream. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. live stream and people can communicate with you. He sees that Margot had saved cast and watches them. And he notices that one particular user going by the name Fish and Chips regularly communicated with Margot. Fish and Chips tells Margot that she's a 20-year-old waitress who's working and and trying to help pay her mother's chemotherapy bills. The detective informs David that none of the UCAST users Margot interacted with had a connection to Margot's disappearance. David's about to shut down Margot's computer when he notices a video of Margot at a lake where she had taken some pictures before. In this particular lake, you've seen it in a lot of her social media accounts. And so he notices on the map that the lake is actually five minutes from his from where his daughter was last seen. He goes to the lake that night and he tries to call the detective. When she eventually picks up, he's already at the lake and he FaceTimes her showing her a Pokeball keychain that Margot had with her at all times. We next are shown a news report of Margot's car being pulled out of the lake, but Margot's body was not inside, but there was blood found on the passenger side, and the police have changed the case from a runaway to an abduction. Eventually, the community and police begin to search for Margot. Hashtag find Margot is trending as well as people saying that the dad might be responsible. There begins to be these conflicting reports about what's going on, who's responsible, if she was kidnapped, or she ran away, if the father did it. And Margot's classmates kind of begin to say that they were her best friends. Derek says that Margot was actually with him. And so David goes and confronts Derek, the douche from earlier. Yeah, we don't like Derek. We may have established that earlier. <laughs> once, the, once David finds out that Derek says that Margot was with him, he goes and he confronts him and gets into a fight eventually breaking this kid's jaw and sending him to the hospital. And of course, it's all caught on video. And after this, David can't is taken off the case and he can't help out anymore. And David begins to look through pictures from their crime scene and notices a jacket with the logo for the Finns hockey team. He notices that his brother Peter's photo and his contact page also has him wearing a Finns jersey. He begins to look at the text between... Margot and Peter, and it appears that they may have been consistently meeting up together behind David's back. David's about to email the detective with what he found, but decides against it. Instead, he ends up buying cameras and places them around Peter's house, after which he confronts him. And it sounds like David thought that they might be having some kind of sexual relationship, mm-hmm. yeah. but Peter tells him that he was actually giving Margot weed because she was depressed. 
and that they would like end up talking about like what was going on with her. Mm-hmm. He also kind of gets almost a little accusatory towards David. It's like, how could you not know that your own daughter was going through this? And you kind of see David start to feel bad and you he realizes what we've kind of known as an audience this whole time is that he really doesn't know his his own daughter very well. While the two brothers are, you know, kind of fighting, David finds out that the reason Margot quit piano was because it reminded her of her mother. And while they're having this confrontation, Detective Rosemary Vick is texting and calling David to tell him that they found the guy. A news report shows a confession of a former convict that says that he assaulted and killed Margot, threw her suitcase into the lake, and then he ends up killing himself. The police also state that they found trace uh, DNA of the convict at the lake. After hearing the confession, David still has a lot of questions about the case. And we see him uploading videos to the online memorial service site for a vigil. And on that website, he sees an image of one of their models and he realizes that the model is the same person who was contacting Wargo on UCAST under the name Fish and Chips. So he kind of does an image search using that girl's image and finds out that she's actually a stock photo model. And he finds her contact information and, and calls her. She tells him that she's never even talked to Margot and she was never questioned by a detective and she doesn't even know what UCAST is. David attempts to call the detective, but she doesn't pick up. He calls the police department and finds out that she actually volunteered to be on the case and wasn't assigned as he was led to believe. Suspicious. He searches for the detective on Google and finds out she worked with ex-convicts, and one of the ones that she worked with was the same person who confessed to the murder of Margot. David connects to the live stream of the vigil and sees that the detective is in attendance. So David reaches out to the sheriff, and they come to the vigil to arrest the detective. The next scene that we see is of the detective being arrested and getting questioned in an interrogation room. She confessed that her son called her on the night Margot went missing. The detective says that her son had a crush on Margot since grade school, and he saw her on UCAST. He created the fake account of Fish and Chips to be friends with her, and Margot sent him the money because she thought he needed it for his mom's chemo treatment. And so the detective's son was actually going to return the money, but he decided to come clean and tell her everything. And so he decided that instead of just sending it through Venmo or something like that, he would want to go and tell her face to face. He decided not to do it at school because he didn't like the attention. And so on that Thursday night, he decided to follow her. So Margot was getting high in her car at the lake and the detective's son ends up getting into the car. And Margot screams and hits him, and before he can realize it, he was bleeding. Margot begins to run away, and 
that's when she calls her dad and the detective son chases after her. Margot's trying to fight him off and he pushes her back, causing Margot to fall down this ravine. And I don't think he's ever trying to hurt her. I think he's just trying to run after her and like communicate what was actually happening. But she's so scared and then in the confusion of things, he accidentally ends up pushing her down the ravine. And so the detective's son calls her and asks if he should call the police and she tells him don't call the cops. She goes to the lake and sees that Margot actually fell into the ravine and assumes she was dead. And after which, she begins to volunteer on the case and work it to make it seem like Margot ran away. She drugged up the ex-con and makes him give the false confession and then kills him. The next scene that we see is when the detective was arrested and being taken to jail. David was traveling with her. He asked her if his daughter was dead, and she says that even if she hadn't been killed on the fall, she would not have survived for five days without water. David tells the cops to turn around because Margot would only have needed to survive two days without water due to the recent storm. At the ravine, the search and rescue team look in and find Margot. They bring up her body and she's unconscious and not moving and she's lifted by the search and rescue team and taken to the nearby hospital. The next scene we see is a text conversation and we find out that it's actually David texting Margot. And Margot is doing well and waiting to hear back from a music school. And yeah, so that's the movie. Yeah, I'll say just like, I feel like I keep hearing from people that 2018 was like a not great year for movies. And I fully disagree. I thought there was a lot of great movies. They just weren't all like huge box office hits. It was like a lot of small, really good movies. And for me, Searching is like such a good example of that. I really enjoyed this movie. Hands down, this is one of my favorite movies from 2018. Yeah. There was like so much that went into this movie that I like it blew my mind. Like Mm -hmm. it was definitely the best way I would describe it is like it was a labor of love. Yeah. It's very uniquely made. It couldn't have been easy to make, and it couldn't have been easy to sell people on the concept of a movie that's viewed entirely through screens. I never, I don't think anything else exists like that. I don't, is, is it, is there yeah, something else? So, so there's another movie. There, I think there might have been a few. There was actually one, I think it was called Unfriended, I believe. It was like a horror movie that came out a few years ago, and they actually did like a, a nod to like Unfriended. Oh, where, really? um in the movie that movie was all through screens as well yeah interesting yeah and so like um laura barnes i think is like a character or something in unfriended and uh one of the times when david's looking at uh the facebook page laura barnes is trending oh really yeah oh i know there was supposed to be a lot of little easter eggs in that movie yeah that's what i'm saying mm-hmm. like they they put so much thought and like care yeah. into like everything going on so the movie apparently only took 13 days to film uh-huh but it took two years to make and prep oh, wow. and edit and do all the animating. Yeah, I remember after I saw the movie, I liked it a lot. And I like was looking up things about it. And one thing I saw was people mentioning that like when you're looking at a Facebook page, there's like ads on the side. And apparently the ads on the Facebook page and on like different uh, websites in this movie were like hints at what was going to happen later on in the plot, maybe, and things like that. And that's just like pretty next level. I definitely didn't catch it, but very interesting. Most crazy that instead of using things like Facebook or iMessage and in their native like environments, the editors actually 
made everything from scratch. Mm-hmm. So everything was just an image, and then they kept editing the images. And yeah. so that was like, that's why it took so long, because they weren't just going in and like using like normal things. They yeah. were actually editing every single aspect of that screen. Yeah. Wow. Shout out to editors in general. That seems like such a tough job. It's so crucial. And they really, they really nailed it in this movie. But even like without all the amazing editing and like the innovative way to tell the story and stuff, it was just a good movie with a lot of twists and turns and characters that were like flawed like you know you root for david the whole time but he's really not the best dad and he's been put in a tough situation I, i'm doing nothing against him but like i just think they did such a good job of making these characters complicated and making the story till the very end you don't know what's going to happen and it keeps you like glued to your seat i thought oh i agree like this is one of those movies that yes it would be great on the big screen but i think to really get the most out of this movie I would have had to watch it on my computer and pause every single time a screen showed up mm-hmm. just because there's so much going on, not just in the aspect of like what you see in the direct narrative, but there's the side story mm-hmm. going on. I don't know if you saw this, but there's a lot of things that relate to an alien event happening. Yeah, I didn't notice. Actually, oh no, in the theater, I remember very clearly I did notice that and I said something to our friends when I got out. I was like, hey... Am I crazy or were there two, at least two mentions of like some alien crazy occurrence happening and everyone else was like, no, that obviously was not part of the movie. So I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah, so apparently this was kind of like an inside joke between the director and the co-writer producer of the movie where they decided because they were making all the ads and everything from scratch, they were making all these like side like pieces that went into a normal social media account. They were making those from scratch, so they're like, let's have fun with it. Yeah. And so that's like the like there's an alien story going on. And there was even like a fan theory where it's like for like a little bit of the movie, like you could you could even believe that Margot's been abducted by aliens. Yeah, that would have thrown me for a major <laughs> loop. But uh I'm glad they didn't go that way. But uh I, I did notice that. I thought, you know, it was a cool little side thing that didn't really take away from the plot of the movie, in my mm-hmm. opinion, either. What I thought was really insane was that for each language that the film was like um, shown in, mm-hmm. apparently they had to change every single line of text to oh, that language. Wow. You know, instead of just keeping it all in English, yeah, which which would take them forever. Yeah. Like, no wonder it took two years. Wow, that's crazy. A lot of work went into this, and it, it turned out well. I wonder, did it? Do you know if it's like been nominated for any awards or anything like that? I don't always keep up with that, but uh, I've, 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 I saw it was nominated for some things, but I'm not 100 sure. Hopefully, like, at least an editing award <laughs> or something technical, because it was just very unique and very well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, like this movie was so intricate that you can definitely tell the passion that the guys who made it had put into it, mm-hmm. like. This whole theme of being catfished was so prevalent yeah. if you had like bit observant to like what was going on outside of the narrative. Like the school's motto is home of the catfish. Oh really? Fish yeah. and chips. Yeah. Catfish. Yeah. Hashtag catfish was actually trending on Twitter. Really? So there's yeah. little hints throughout, like I said, yeah, but you you know, if you're just watching the movie you might that might be in, on the screen for like three seconds and yeah. you're focused on so much else that you don't see it. But probably a movie that would be really good to like rewatch and notice those yeah, details. Yeah, like there was a one, one scene when David's looking at his emails 
after news breaks out of Margot's car being found. Mm-hmm. And it's actually from the co-writer producer of the movie. Oh, and it really? says, like, I have a theory that Margot's being catfished. Oh, interesting. See, so, I'm glad I didn't see that. But I mean, but like, I mean, going into it, like, I would have never realized like that guy was like the co-writer until afterwards. Yeah, no, but still, like, if I had seen that theory presented, I would have because I didn't, I didn't in the, at the time of the movie. There's so many different ways it can go. You think maybe she's been kidnapped, maybe she ran away, maybe she's into like drugs and doing bad things that you don't necessarily know she's being catfished. And so I'm, I'm glad I didn't have that spoiled for me. But no, they 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 did a good job of you know keeping you guessing for sure. The one thing that I really appreciate about this movie was that it was honestly like pretty realistic in like what could go, what could happen, you know, like there's someone at your school that, you know, but you don't really know them. Mm-hmm. And one day they disappear and something happens to them. And you, as parents, like you don't really, you might not know what your kid's doing in high school. Yeah, That's such a very turbulent time in a person's life that they might not be most relatable to apparent especially after they've lost someone that they were really close to yeah i think that's one of the bigger like themes in this movie is watching david just really struggle to get to know his daughter to relate to his daughter they have a really good relationship you can see before his wife dies and once she dies obviously that places a lot of strain on the family and i think he knows that they didn't have the best relationship but throughout the movie, you kind of slowly see that he really was... He didn't know that he, she wasn't taking piano lessons, didn't know she was depressed. He thought she had plenty of friends, and none of that's true. And part of that's on Margot. She was kind of probably trying to trick him a little bit. But that was another interesting thing in this movie. Is like, how well can a parent really know a high school kid's life these days, you know? Yeah, and also I think another important aspect to consider was that Margot was depressed, you know? she She wasn't... She had lost interest in the activities that she was interested in. Mm-hmm. She had she was no longer friends with the people that she was, like such as Isaac. And she was turning to drugs and things like that to kind of dull her pain. Yeah. And so there was like this other thing going on. And I think it kind of comes down to like this parent-child relationship where you might not... Like we see that David wanted to reach out to her and wanted to say like your mom would be proud of you and yeah things like that. and it's all hard for him too because he lost the woman he was married to you know mm-hmm. so it's you know you can't blame david for anything and i think overall he's actually was a great parent but it's a tough situation and then counter to that we see detective rosemary vick who you know she obviously like loves her son and was trying to protect him but she went about it in such a ridiculous manner yeah uh, so we, we talked earlier about, you know, little hidden messages and Easter eggs in this movie. And this isn't necessarily an Easter egg, but I thought it had a really good piece of foreshadowing in this movie that I didn't catch at first. But whenever she, there's a scene where uh, the detective is talking to David and he's like shocked that he didn't know his daughter super well. And she tries to relate to him by telling the story of how one time her son, like she found out he was committing some sort of crime or lying to these people, some sort of low level he was deceit. And he was basically going around to the neighbors and telling him that he was collecting money for this fake charity for cops. Yeah, uh, and that charity didn't exist, but the mom ended up just lying and saying that it did exist and covering up for him. 
And she tells it as a story to like help uh, David feel better about not knowing his daughter, but really it kind of foreshadows the whole ending of the story where doctor where the detective is covering for her son the whole time. And I I didn't catch it obviously the first time, but that's a really nice piece of foreshadowing that I appreciated later on. Another interesting thing about the character of the detective is that there's so many hints about her rule and everything that's going on once you realize that she's in on it you know when david goes to the lake and she calls him and you hear the police sirens in the background she goes did you call the cops because she knows that there's a body there so she says mm. she wasn't asking if he called to help him he she's calling to cover her own ass yeah and you wouldn't expect you wouldn't really catch that necessarily when you're first watching it because you're just so used to assuming you can trust these authority figures but no she she's a tricky one detective vic yeah well another interesting thing was uh when david's like i didn't even know margo it's like she was a completely different person the detective goes like wait i have an idea and then after that is when she tells him about the fake uh, id Oh, interesting. So, did the fake ID? Did Margo make the fake ID? So, after the detective is arrested, it shows an image of her putting a, making a fake ID for Margo. Oh, really? Okay, okay. So, like that was like she was kind of trying to to like make him think that she ran away and had this plan. Yeah, yeah. And like we we mentioned earlier, how one good thing about this movie is that all the characters are so complex. And once again, this is another example. Like Detective Vic. She's the bad guy in this movie, but you can't really hate her for doing what she's doing because she's not, she's only motivated to protect her son. And she, she obviously takes things too far and people get hurt in the process. But, you know, she's not necessarily a bad, evil person. She just wants to help out her son and she kind of gets caught up in it. Yeah. Although the way that she goes about it is completely wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. She was the bad guy for a reason, but you can kind of understand where she's coming from. At least the motivations behind her actions. She's not just some like crazy evil kidnapper, which is the case in a lot of these movies. I feel like she also wants to have Margot found because throughout the movie, she's doing things where she could potentially slip up. There's one scene when she's talking to David and her son comes in the room and she's like, get out, I'm handling it. You know, instead of like saying I'm working on it or something, she tells him I'm handling it. Because yeah, the implications of that are very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is, so Rosemary Vick is actually based off of Rosemary's baby who gave birth to like the evil child uh, and Vic Mackey, the crooked cop from S.H.I.E.L.D. I've never seen S.H.I.E.L.D. or Rosemary's baby, but... Well, that's that's where the yeah I know the, I know the plot of Rosemary's Baby basically yeah interesting though yeah so that's where the Rosemary is they like, give you hints all throughout this movie but you ne- you wouldn't necessarily catch it yeah like it's it's definitely it's a great movie but it's also it's worth it to kind of take pause and enjoy mm-hmm. the the effort and detail that went into everything in yeah this movie. I think uh, especially if you happen to watch it a second time you'd really appreciate all the the work they put into it. The details. Uh, another another clever thing that I thought they did in this movie was so you know whenever Margot first goes missing, you don't know what happened, and it's an open mystery. It could go a lot of different ways, and then 
The first big kind of twist is that you see the uncle's jacket in her car. And then once once you see that and you see the text messages between the, the daughter and the uncle, I'm pretty sure everybody's minds first goes to, okay, something weird is happening with this classic creepy uncle having like a sexual relation with his own, uh, you know, family member. And that obviously ends up not being the case, but they just do such a good job of leading you down that road, like making yourself basically lead you down that road. And then it kind of flips the script entirely. And that's luckily not what ended up happening. I didn't really want that to be, it would have been a much darker movie if that had been the case, but I thought they did a good job of like knowing that that's like a classic trope in movies and then letting you like lead yourself down that path before flipping it yet again. That's the thing about this movie is that so much of it could actually happen, you know, with the whole, like the catfishing thing is such, it's like, it's actually prevalent and uh, for people mm-hmm. and I mean, you have like this whole thing where like people don't know other people that well anymore. Yeah, especially like a lonely, vulnerable teen online who doesn't have any friends and is going to be desperate for like connections. They're going to be make themselves susceptible to this, which is kind of scary. Like if you were a parent, I would feel worried after watching this movie. Yeah. Speaking of uh, connections, when David is using Margot's account and actually uh, goes like does a live cast on the UCast thing. Mm-hmm. The first person to uh, log into her stream is Fish and Chips, and they log out when they see that it's David. Oh, really? The son probably thought, "Oh, she's alive," and then like leaves. Oh, it's like, like right, oh, like shit. at that second. That's her dad. Yeah. I wish we had gotten to hear a little bit more from the son's perspective. We, I, he was like barely in the movie at all, which is yeah. fine, not necessary, but yeah, would have been nice. So. This movie, I thought, had not quite maybe at this level, but you know when you first saw Up, the first eight or so minutes of Up is like a crazy, condensed, really sad story that immediately gets you like emotionally involved in the movie. I thought this movie also had a similar type of beginning where you like see this happy family, see Margot growing up, and you just immediately like all the characters, and then when the mom you kind of like go through the emails and see her like get diagnosed with cancer and see her progress through the illness and then die. And it's such a good way of like showing how the family experiences it. And it was like, I don't know how long it lasted, maybe 10 minutes or so, but it was like a really good and emotionally affecting intro that got you attached to the main characters. So they pretty much right out the gate were nailing this movie, in my opinion. The home video vibe definitely pulls you in and draws on those emotional heartstrings. Mm hmm. One interesting thought that occurred to me was, if Pam was still there, would any of this have happened? I think not. It's hard to say, but I think that, you know, all of the moves that Margot made that led to this were kind of started with her being so lonely and depressed and things. And that was all kicked off when her mom died. So I think her life could have reasonably taken a pretty different course otherwise. I also think that if David had actually been more willing to take on the role of like what pam had been in that family yeah and he would have a better i guess like relationship with the other parents at the school he would have actually known that the detective like the detective son knew her his daughter yeah because yeah there was actually a scene when um when david's on pam's computer and he can see uh the detective's kids like like little contact info thing and for her middle school class. And it's it even under there, it says that Mario's classmate with the caption 
has a crush on Margot. Oh, and so does it say just that the person's last name is Vic? No, no. So his name is Robbie Abelt. Oh. So it's, it might suggest that Vic may have been divorced. Cause so how would he have known that that was her 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 son? Well, like if he had been more involved in that aspect, he uh, might have known who the parents were. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Another takeaway that I think might be a generational thing that David was kind of coming across was that Facebook friends don't equate to real life friends. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, it's a good place to start in an investigation, I guess. But like, he was like shocked that she wasn't close with every single one of her Facebook friends. And I was like, these are just people you've met before, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you've bumped into them once in line. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm adding you. Yeah. That's true. There was, I think that probably made his job harder too. It's like he kind of was having to learn what all these websites and social media, whatever things are as he's going. It was oh. a tough task for David, but he did all right. Yeah. Like if, if I was in that situation, my parents would have not like been able yeah, to, they no would have like tried to contact my brother, my sister be like, okay, how do you reset an yeah. email? <laughs> yeah. I'm impressed. He did. He did pretty well. I think his job, he was like on the computer a little bit. So maybe he like knew some stuff, but yeah, definitely the top, top percentile of parents able to use a computer for sure. Oh yeah. I would say good for him. Also, I've never seen someone use FaceTime that much before. Yeah. But I'm glad they did though, because otherwise he would have been like, I don't even know how you would like all text. It would have sucked. Yeah, it would have been like um, I think it was a Ryan Reynolds movie where he was buried alive. Oh yeah, I didn't and, see it, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I and I feel like that movie was like entirely from his perspective in a box. Oh really? Like in the yeah underground. Huh. That's an acting challenge to be able to carry that. I don't know if it was good or not, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, so this movie at the end, Margot lives. Which is fine. I don't, I don't like, I, I, I like Margot and I, I occasionally enjoy a happy ending. Like I like rom-coms. Okay. I'm a lot happy ending guy, but I also think that all movies benefit when a certain movie has a bad ending because then the next time you're watching a movie of that genre, you don't know what to expect. And I thought they kind of maybe forced the happy ending a little bit in this movie. Like it was not illogical that she could have lived. And, like, it was fine to see them happy again. But I would have been okay if Margot had died. That was, like, maybe my one complaint of this movie. Like, she, it seemed unlikely that she would have lived to me. During the movie, there's, like, an adder, like a like a little placement thing on, some social, on one of the social media sites he's looking through that said, like, some man survives nine days without water. Uh, so I think that was, like, kind of hinting at this is possible. Yeah. Well, it's definitely possible. I just was like ready for her to die and I had accepted it and I was kind of glad in the sense that I was glad that my expectations weren't going to be met for a like forced happy ending. And then it was, it wasn't like a bad ending. Like it was all fine and logical and they had set up precedent to where she could live both with that post and with the fact that it had rained earlier and stuff. But I would have been happy to see her die and not like in a mean way, just like, you know, sometimes things don't end well. I mean, I think they did a good job in this movie of having almost every scene where there's like some kind of excitement of like okay we're making a we're cracking the case we're making some progress it you know builds up and then immediately lets you down yeah and it kept doing that and i think that was like really good because in a real life investigation, you're not going to be able to find every single clue that might make a break in the case. You know, 
one thing or another could lead you down like the wrong trail. Yeah, yeah. And we see that happening with David a lot. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the very end when the detective made a slip up that he realized what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, John Cho, I I don't know a lot of other movies that he's been in that I've seen, but he did real well. You know, he's moved on from being Harold and Harold and Kumar for sure. My favorite part of this entire movie, though, was at the beginning when he's kind of arguing with his brother not to smoke weed uh yeah the irony <laughs> i didn't even like put the put two and two together come, yeah. he's come a long way yeah he has good for you harold one of the neat easter eggs in the movie was that when david was making his google doc of leads of high school students that thing's an actual google doc that you can go and you can look at and apparently after the movie came out it was still editable uh do people change stuff on it i'm not 100 sure i think the people in the movie didn't realize like until afterwards that they had left it editable and people could just like look and memorize the link uh, and try to access it interesting <laughs> that's pretty funny i wasn't astute enough of a movie watcher to even try it but another fun fact all right, well, that was Searching. Uh, like We both clearly really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was great, very original, very entertaining. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you probably shouldn't have listened to this podcast. We probably ruined it for you, but worth a watch, worth a rewatch probably. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely with some movies, I think that the summary or the getting the gist of the story will do a good enough job to get what's going on. But this movie is actually something that you have to see. Because the way that it's told... Mm, very through, unique. Yeah, so it's definitely worth the watch. We highly recommend. I give it a, I give it 8 stars out of 10 stars. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm give it... Hesitant, I, to, hesitant to quantify it, but it was definitely good. I, I give it 8 breads. No, <laughs> I give it 8 loaves out of 10 loaves. 8 slices. Uh, <laughs> we, I don't know. It was a good movie. Watch it. <laughs> it was a good movie. Uh, we recommend it. It comes with our official loaf stamp of approval. Um, and that's all I got. How about you? Yeah, that's it. And if you have any suggestions for what we should name our movie ranking system, yeah. <laughs> please leave your comment at any of our social media pages. Uh, thank you. Be safe. And we'll see you next time. This is Jason. And this is Rojo signing off. Adios. <laughs> Muchachos. <laughs> All right. Cool.